For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. And welcome, everybody. We are back with another episode of Pulse of Finns Nation. I'm your host, Louis Sung. Ron Caniff is not here. Chris Early is not here. But I do have Eric Weideke, who is also a contributor with the Five Reasons Sports Network. He will be filling in for today. Mr. Eric, how are you today, sir? Doing well this evening. How about yourself, Louis? Uh, honestly, I actually had to call in sick today because my tummy was giving me problems. But... Ooh. I just yes, but I decided that you know what? Listen, just because I can't do one job today doesn't mean I won't do the other job. We still have a lot of stuff to talk about with the Miami Dolphins, especially since after I got off the ship, seems like the Miami Dolphins were suddenly very active, and I was like, oh, I'll, you'd wait until I go on vacation to suddenly do a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, fine, whatever. So we'll just catch up on that once we get back. So. Now the time has come. We're going to talk about everything as far as the Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator position, what's going to be going on with that. We're going to be talking about whatever you guys there in the chat are going to be discussing as well. Make sure you leave a super chat if you want to make sure your comment gets highlighted one for sure. And it also really helps us out here at the network to keep doing what we do. So we'll get into all that. But before that, really quick, just want to go ahead and mention that, as always, this show is brought to you by Factor Meals. So one of the great things about Factor Meals is that if you're going to be looking for something that you need to get a, some healthy eating in your life, maybe your New Year's resolution was to lose weight, just like everybody in the world is, then you can go ahead and head on over to factormeals.com. The guys at Three Yards for Carry have a dedicated page over there. So all you have to do is very simple. Go to factormeals.com and you put, use the code three yards per carry 50 and make sure when you do that, you have to put in the numbers. So it's the number three yards per carry, five zero as a promo code. And when you do that, you will get 50% off your first order. It's pre- it's already pre-prepared for you. All you have to do is just put it all together and you can heat it up and you're good to go. So factormeals.com, again, the promo code three yards per carry, five zero, and get started with that today. You'll get 50% off your first order. And for those of you who are still kind of upset over how the Miami Dolphins season ended, you can head on over and get yourself something good to drink. So you can get this right here. Very easy to do. Black coral rum. It's a rum that is very distinctly Florida. All you have to do is go to steeltiespirits.com and you can go ahead and use the pro- the code WADDLE. All you have to do is just use that code WADDLE and you'll be able to get in on that. Um, actually, I take that I actually take that back. I don't think there is a promo code. I'm sorry. I got my promos messed up. <laughs> but yeah, steeltiespirits.com, black coral rum. And this is where you use the promo code WADDLE. It's diet smoke. So all you have to do for that one and this one is uh, much easier. So dietsmoke.com, you can buy premium THC, Delta HTHC, Delta 9 THC, and CBD online. And that's where you use the promo code WADDLE and you'll get 50% off of any item. Enjoy your journey. And especially if you are somebody who is just looking for a new place to get that buzz that you're looking for. All right. So the guys at the three yards per carry on OnlyFins, they've been talking all for the past few weeks now about what the Dolphins could do in the offseason what are they going to be the main focus? And then we get the bombshell that Vic Fangio is no longer the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. I learned about that on day two of my cruise on Icon of the Seas. And I was just thinking to myself, I can't relax for even a few days, can I, before the Dolphins do something crazy? Like, we kind of had this 
feeling that the Vic Fangio experiment didn't really work out so much. And then once he left and like almost immediately signed with Philadelphia, and I, and I mean immediately, I think I don't even think it was necessarily a tampering thing. I think they just called him up and said, you know, we still have the old draft of the contract we wanted you to sign in the first place sitting in our drawer. You want to come over and sign it now? And he was like, yes. And so they went ahead and just did that. Um, and now the Miami Dolphins have to find somebody who is going to take over their defense. What for, Before we get into the specifics of who they're interviewing, the departure of Vic Fangio, what was your overall assessment, Eric, of the defense under Vic Fangio? Were you satisfied with how it went? Were you unsatisfied? Do you feel like that there was more that could have been done, or do you feel like he was just given a bad hand? Um, you know, part of me wants to say that he was given a bad hand, especially down the stretch when they did get injured. But I look at the defense as a whole in context, and I look at his system and 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 the results that he got. And the Dolphins finished tenth in defense. Uh, they were they were a top five team in sacks <clears throat> by all metrics there. But my my issue with Fangio was really in the granular things. Um, you know, the 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 small just management decisions Jalen Ramsey not shadowing Stefan Diggs comes to mind uh or not shadowing the the opposing team's best receivers at time comes to mind um his inflexibility with even seeing if Cam Smith has anything at all and I know that that's a touchy subject among some people but I I, I do think it would have been at least worth it just to see especially when you've got Eli Apple and, El- and Ethan Bonner getting reps uh, above a guy that was taken in the second round and it felt it, it and it really in that situation it almost felt to me like Fangio was a little upset that Chris Greer hadn't consulted with him on that pick and that and that kind of had something to do in that decision making ultimately I do think that the Dolphins defense was solid um but given the given the personality issues and kind of the the clashing that happened uh, I think that this on paper, it really could have been a top five unit uh, because you look around and you look at the talent that they had on defense and they had guys that are Pro Bowl caliber at just about every single level of the defense. Uh, I, I think we can argue for at least a good portion of the season when Bradley Chubb was playing, he was playing at a Pro Bowl level. Christian Wilkins, obviously a guy that can play at a Pro Bowl level. Jalen Ramsey can play at a Pro Bowl level. Javon Holland can play at a Pro Bowl level. So for for as as talented as the defense was i'm really not sure that he got everything out of it that he absolutely could have um but 10th is 10th is 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 acceptable but again i wasn't i wasn't really overwhelmed by vic fangio i i was i was just it was it was all right there wasn't there wasn't anything that that like you know he leaves and i'm like oh my god this defense is going to fall apart they were they, it was all right I mean, I'll say this. As soon as Jalen Ramsey got in there, his the defense seemed to com- do a complete 180. Like, we were miserable. We were screaming. We were pissed off with Vic Fangio. Aren't you supposed to be the godfather of the modern NFL defense? Why are you not able to get something good out of these really talented players, which we were looking at them as really talented players? Obviously, Xavier Howard was still there. You had Cater Kohu, who we were really in- appreciating and liking. Um, Javon Holland was there. Deshaun Elliott was coming on really strong. We had all these reasons to be hopeful about an early start of the defense, and it was just awful. And I could not believe, and when it happened, I could not believe it still, that the the hinge point was Jalen Ramsey's return. Like, as soon as he got back, everything started working properly. Everything. And that's the scary thing about it, because even after he got back, 
We were still questioning some of the decisions. And at the same time, the results were adequate. I mean, think about it. Jalen Ramsey comes back and, and again, credit where it's due. He held the, the Miami Dolphins held the Kansas City Chiefs to zero points in the second half. Now you see that they're in the Super Bowl again because Patrick Mahomes is not of this world. You see, and uh, we, you know, I take that back. I, I have to give credit where it's due. Their offensive line is solid. Their defense is unreal. And as far as the receivers, that's where Patrick Mahomes can make up for it because he's Patrick Mahomes. He can do it all. But they're, they have a really good team. But they kept them from scoring any points in the second half. They were able to hold back a lot of things. Like the only thing, the only real breakdown, the true breakdown that I can remember after Jalen Ramsey returned was just that Titans game. 14 points in like two minutes. That's, that's unacceptable in any metric. Now you can blame that on the offense too, if you like, because the offense you should have been able to hold on to the ball longer than they did. I get you, I grant you that, but you still gave up 14 points in two minutes. What the heck happened there? So that's the only real breakdown I can remember once Jalen Ramsey actually came back. But now we're hearing all these reports about the disagreements that Fangio had with players. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey was very vocal about the whole thing, that he wanted to shadow players. He wanted to be able to say that, I'm going to cover your number one guy. Just let me follow the dude around. I don't care. And Fangio was basically saying, no, you're going to do it my way, and you're just going to play against according to the scheme. And he's a very he's very stubborn. He, maybe that's just the old school, old guy, I'm used to be a head coach kind of mentality that said, I'm going to do it this way because I'm in charge and this is how it's going to be. If that's the case, then if it works, it's hard to argue. But at the same time, I don't feel like Vic Fangio, looking back on it and doing the whole 2020 hindsight stuff, Fangio was not a fit for the Mike McDaniel culture. Now, you can argue that Mike McDaniel's culture is bad. I'm sure there are some people out there. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. But some people out there will say that Mike McDaniel's culture in Miami is too lax. It's not, it's not hard-nosed enough. It's not, it's not tough enough. But we just got rid of a tough coach in Brian Flores. And it's, it's amazing to me in some ways that we're coming off two seasons straight where Miami not only got a winning season but made the playoffs had a really solid offense, even though they fell apart at the end of the season for one reason or another. I don't know how anybody can look at Mike McDaniel and Brian Flores to get in the same room and say Flores was doing everything that Mike McDaniel was doing at the same time because a lot of players liked Flores and a lot of players didn't like Flores. I don't think there's any players on the team that don't like McDaniel. I don't know if there have there been any reports that you can even remember that players actively do not like McDaniel. Like they fight with McDaniel. They don't get mm-hmm. along with McDaniel. Like maybe they disagree with some things he says, but they don't like him. I don't think that's happened yet. No, I don't I don't I don't think that's necessarily the case. And honestly, my 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 other issues with Fangio were I, ultimately I do think this is a guy that he was I, I, I and again, like you said, doing the hindsight 2020 thing here, the first red flag, and honestly, it should have been a much bigger red flag than even it was at the time, is when he admitted pretty much that, yeah, you know, I really thought I was going to be Philadelphia's defensive coordinator, as if to say that Miami was kind of like, you know, option plan B, 
that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because again, you know, a guy that doesn't really want to be in a place probably isn't going to be the easiest person in the world to work with. Um, and I just, I just got the sense that Fangio didn't want to be here because he he came out with that, with that press conference or with that, with those quotes. And then in just about every time you saw him interacting with the press, he was, he just seemed like he was just angry all the time. And I, I, and at that point, it's like, you know, not to, not to say that that's, you know, you have to be happy, go lucky as a coach and you have to be Mike McDaniel all the time. But man, could, could we get like a little bit of excitement about being in Miami? Just, just a little bit. Um, and it just felt like he he never really wanted Miami from my perspective. And that's kind of the issue I had with it too, is that in many ways, like we made him the highest paid defensive coordinator in the NFL. But when I saw that, when I saw that story too, man, I, I I'll admit I was baffled by the fact that, wow, we really had to basically put this guy up against the wall to get him to sign with us. But even then, I would figure that even if it's for nothing else, for your own professional reputation, you would still want to put good work in. You know, you would right. do your best to try to make a good impression, make it so that you see you, everybody saw that you were a team player, that you were trying to prove that, listen, I'm somebody that you can work with, somebody you can get along with. And if I do decide that I want to become a head coach again someday, you can count on me to get the job done. That's something that I would imagine he would want to do. But all these reports that are coming out now and the reactions of players, you saw the reaction from Javon Holland, kick rocks. That basically is a night is a not so nice way of saying, please leave and never come back. I don't want to see you here. So Javon Holland obviously did not particularly care about Vic Fangio leaving uh, Cam Smith. I don't know if you saw his tweet, basically just the yep. unlock emoji, basically say that he's basically saying in a not so subtle way, ah, finally, I'm going to get a chance to play now because Fangio didn't let me play. And we were all, all of us as a fan base collectively, we were starting to look because we, again, we trust Vic Fangio. He's the smart guy, right? He's the genius. We were looking at him and thinking, wow, Cam Smith must be God awful if he can't even beat out Eli Apple, who we already know we don't like Eli Apple. But even then, we saw like Alf, Alf, three yards per carry, by the way, uh, only $3 a month to get on the OnlyFans, guys. Make sure you do that. And uh, if you are listening to this on the three yards per carry podcast feed, they're still putting out shows for the time being. So make sure you're listening to that as well. Alf basically said it. he watched all of training camp. Camp Smith looked great. He looked amazing. He was picking off Tua like it was no big deal. <laughs> Foreboding, right? And in preseason, he looked pretty solid, too. He didn't. He made some mistakes here and there, but he looked pretty good. So where does all that go? And all of a sudden, we're like, I get the injury part of it. That's why we signed Eli Apple. It wasn't mm-hmm. because we just felt like it. It was because we were a little low on depth at that position. Okay, fine. I get it. But you trusted Eli Apple the whole way. Like, even after all this time, after Cam Smith had returned, after Cam Smith was uh, participating on the special teams group, after he was getting the opportunity to play more, Nick Needham came back too, and we were still relying on Eli Apple. Are you telling me that after all this time, and after all we've, uh, we've watched Nick Needham play in Miami, are we really sitting here saying that Nick Needham can't play as well as Eli Apple? If that's the case, then that means that Nick Needham must have gone back to uh, – pre-regular season Brian Flores first preseason ever oh my god he's so bad get him out of here like first tra- first day training camp cuts kind of player 
And I don't believe right. that I don't believe that a player can regress that much that quickly. It's usually a slow drop off, not from I'm pretty darn good to I'm literally the worst player you've ever seen in your life. So I don't buy that. There's some there was something about Fangio. There was so so much stubbornness there, so much this is gonna be my way or the highway. And all these stories that we'd heard, he doesn't talk to McDaniel. And now we're seeing reports that he didn't even let the position coaches talk to the defense. It's like this is my group, and I'm going to be like, the head coach of the defense. That was what we wanted. That was it's funny. Every time the Dolphins fans get what they want, it ends up it's like the monkey's paw. Yeah, you got it, but you're not going to like it. <laughs> like, oh, thanks yeah. so much. So Vic Fangio was the head coach of the defense, and he was the head coach in the sense that nobody else was allowed to talk to them except for Vic Fangio. Dude, this is a team effort. That and that by that in and of itself is basically going up against the grain of what the new Miami Dolphins culture is for better or worse. Yeah. And I mean, just running an entire defense, is just such a, it's such a massive project that it's, it's almost, it's almost folly to think that any one person can do it by themselves, uh, considering the amount of work that you have to do week to week and the amount of players that you have to manage the Nick Needham thing. I'm not necessarily, I don't know how much of that is. Is he the same player coming off of his injury as he was prior to, Maybe that's that's the issue with Nick Needham there, uh, because unfortunately you do see that happen with players occasionally. Um, but to to make a long story short, and and to cut it, and to kind of uh, put a bow on it there with Fangio, I think whoever is the next defensive coordinator is going to have to come in, and he's going to kind of have to, you know, Mike McDaniel when he first came in talking about, you know life after Brian Flores and he talked about what he had to do with a guy like Tua and a lot of that was kind of like you know you see a guy with wounds and I think and I think a coach and I think the next defensive coordinator is going to have to kind of come up uh do the same thing with Cam Smith he's going to have to kind of try to put his arm around him reinstill some of that confidence that Cam Smith had um now was Cam Smith a perfect fit for what Vic Fangio wanted to do um not at all I'll be I'll be very honest. By all accounts, he's he's much more of a better press man corner, um, and we know that Fangio prefers to do a little bit more uh, in zone. But again, when you're when it's Eli Apple and it's Ethan Bonner and it's some of the guys that were being thrown out here, and shout out to Ethan Bonner, he actually looked pretty decent against the Chiefs. So no disparagement to him, but you know it, it's whoever comes in next is going to have to kind of help Cam Smith recover as a player, um, reinstill some of that confidence, because I do think, and this is might sound crazy, given the cap situation, that might be your starting corner next to Jalen Ramsey next season. Well, I'm not against that at this point. I feel like like with now with the injury to his foot and whatever, I feel like the Xavier Howard experiment has to come to a close at some point. Like I, I don't like it. I know what I know how good Howard can be, but just kind of like with this, the same thing with Teron Armstead, except we can't get out of Armstead's contract right now. Actually, since I'm since I'm talking about it, let me go ahead and just pull it up real quick because I'm very curious as to what Miami could do to try to deal with the whole Xavier Howard thing. So uh, they save eleven million post June one. On a yeah, there. if they do, yeah, that's what I'm looking at now. Is about approximately eleven million dollars. It's eighteen point five in savings, and then seven point five approximately in dead cap. So, if they decided to go ahead and do that with Xavier Howard, 
then that would save them some much needed money. And there's a reason we drafted Cam Smith, right? The whole idea is that somebody's going to be the replacement for Xavier Howard. Cam Smith showed a lot of promise. He did. And I refuse to assume it, it just goes away because Vic Fangio says so. I don't. I just don't buy that. So now we have a situation where Miami has to look at this from a very careful perspective. And this is where I feel like we have to balance everything out. Do we go after, because we because if we look at the list of coordinators that Miami has already gone ahead and interviewed, or at least made the attempt to. So you have Ryan Slowick, who is already with the Dolphins. He's the out, he's an outside line. He's an outside linebacker coach for Miami right now. Mm-hmm. Anthony Campanile, who's the just the straight up linebackers coach, also already with Miami, and he was actually interviewed last season, and he ended up staying in Miami. Bobby Babich, I don't know if that's how you say it or not, but he is he was uh, assistant coach for the Buffalo Bills. Now recently promoted to the defensive coordinator of Buffalo, so Miami can't get him. Uh, Chris Kiffin, uh, formerly of the Titans, I believe. Obviously, Brandon Staley, big name there. He's the former head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. And before he got to the Los Angeles Chargers, he was at the Los Angeles Rams when they had the number one defense in the NFL, and they ended up winning a Super Bowl. So that's why he ended up getting the job in the first place. Uh, Ejiro Avera was blocked, so Miami can't get their hands on him. The other two are Anthony Weaver and Leslie Frazier. Frazier in and up is the very big one there with with Leslie Frazier. You have another old gristled veteran defensive coordinator. And up until last year, and he basically took the year off. He was basically dismissed, but he can't be taken off a contract that way. So he was dismissed Buffalo. We couldn't, we wouldn't be able to actually talk to him anyway, even if we wanted to because Buffalo basically told him no. Um, Leslie Frazier was the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills up until last season. He, I guess there was a falling out with him and Sean McDermott. McDermott basically took it upon himself to take over the defensive play calling and all that stuff. Fine. Whatever. That's most, a lot of head coaches end up doing that these days. It's like, this is my baby and I'm going to run it because I like to do it. It's like, that's not your job though. And I'll be dead honest with you on one thing, Eric. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a re- there's a part of, weird part of me, right? Like God forbid something ever ever happens with Mike McDaniel and he's just not the right fit because I still think that he has a lot to learn, but yes, I still think he has a lot of potential too because he's very very smart about what he does. I truly honestly believe that the best thing that McDaniel can do is take his hands off the the offense in a way. Like learn how to be a head coach. You know why? This is why this is what I really believe mm-hmm. is that do you know why I think John Harbaugh is always considered one of these best coaches year in year out? Like he doesn't have a specialty per se. He's not an offensive coach. He's not a defensive coach. His background was special teams. He was a special teams coordinator who became a head coach. So his job it's like, it's, almost, it's a weird thing. The special teams is in charge of everything in a way. Like they have to have, they work with offensive players, they work with defensive players, and there's so much detail that goes into just special teams alone. Uh, paging Danny Crossman, why are you still here? <clears throat> John Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator, became a head coach, and he has not had anybody questioning him whether he's going to get fired or not. He's just been hanging out in Baltimore for the past. I feels like I can't remember when he got hired. He's just been there forever. 
And I feel like it's because he just knows that, okay, I am the head coach. I am going to run things, but I need somebody to run the offense. They report to me, but I am, I need somebody to run the offense and I need somebody to run the defense. They report to me. They talk to me. I make the final decisions, but I let them do their thing. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. almost in the sense, because you have now Vic Fangio in Philadelphia. Nick, is Nick Sirianni going to make sure that Fangio does not do exactly what he did in Miami? Or is he going to try to do what Mike McDaniel did and just say, listen, Vic, you run the show. I'm going to worry about the offense. You worry about the defense. And we're just going to be like co-head coaches. I don't think, uh, I don't think that's going to work. I think the reason why Harbaugh is always so successful is because he has two coordinators who run their own job, but it reports back to him. McDaniel was letting Fangio do whatever he wanted, but he just decided to go ahead and not he, like, did he, how did he hold Vic accountable? Did he try? Did he even bother? Did he, could he, was he even capable of doing it? Because this whole concept of you need a veteran coach who used to be a head coach so we can mentor Mike McDaniel, all these veteran head coaches that people are talking about. And I made this point, I think in Finn's nation, the last time I recorded one, all these veteran head coaches are all failed head coaches. You didn't want them as your head coach. Why would you want them to mentor your current young and developing head coach? That's the point that I would have. And uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony, I will get to your comments shortly, but I just want to make sure that I get all this stuff across first. You know, and it's funny because I, I look at I look at Fangio because I don't know exactly what Mike McDaniel makes over the course of a season in terms of salary, but I'm almost I'm almost I'm almost willing to say because I think Vic Fangio they they reported it was about four point six five million Fangio made last year with the Dolphins. He probably made more than 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 Mike McDaniel, and so Vic Fangio, what is? What obligation does he have to impart any kind of knowledge on Mike McDaniel? You know, if I'm, if if Vic Fangio, he's been in the league for for 20, 30 years at this point. He's making you know crazy money as a coordinator. He doesn't have any obligation to to share anything with Mike McDaniel or to collaborate. He's being paid like he's like he's a head coach, and 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 you know I think that in a lot of ways he kind of carried himself that way and and ran it very much my way or the highway, you know, I'm making X, Y, Z money. I don't need to answer to anyone uh, for what I'm doing. I am Vic Fangio. I am, you know, the godfather of the modern NFL defense. Um, Ultimately, I think you look at, and and I, and I don't know if you want to get away from Mike McDaniel with the, with the offense at this point, I'm not I'm not at that point just yet by all accounts. Um Frank Smith, I, I I don't know where I saw this. I believe he was actually voted by the players as the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. Um so I'm not I'm not certain from a coaching perspective if there's anything that I would change very much offensively. I know that we we got I know that we were very upset with Mike McDaniel at times with his play calling, especially when it came to situationally in, in short yardage situations and running the football. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But I think it's also worth noting Kyle Shanahan had to have his 28 to three moment to become who he was as a head coach. Um, He almost had another one. I don't know. Like Detroit gave the game away. uh, Certainly. And even as an offensive play caller, uh, 
and I, and I'm hopeful that McDaniel has kind of had that moment for him where he's kind of had this epiphany of, boy, this is really what I need to do. And I'm not sure if he was constrained by personnel. Um, I do think that the offensive line this year was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Um, when you go into the into the real numbers of of what they were kind of asked to do, the I'll tell you right now, Eric, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of bit smoke and mirrors. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it, it, if, if if Tua has to throw in let in two seconds or less in order for the ball to get there properly, I don't think that's a good system. I really don't. Like I understand that it's about timing and anticipation and uh, great, wonderful. But in those, if you want Tua to create. Like I keep hearing, where is he? What is he doing to create? What happens when the play goes off script? Well, when the play goes off script, then Tua has to dodge defensive linemen. And for for better or worse, Tua's athleticism is not that high. It's he's not that athletic. He's especially since he gained the extra weight to make sure that he was stronger, bulkier kind of player. If you want him to lose some of that weight and start running some more, listen, whatever. He still knows his jujitsu. He can protect his head that way. So mm-hmm. I'm all for him gaining some of his speed back, but. The the concept of I, I I watched these playoff games, Eric. Some of them anyway. And all I see, like all the highlights, all the big highlights that NFL the NFL puts on their Twitter accounts, like they're talking about all these amazing plays and wow, how did that just happen? I see Mahomes just just sitting there. Oh, here comes one guy. Let me just get out of the way. And now I'm gonna stand here some more. Oh, let me just get out of the way of this guy here. And uh and even then. It still took a diving catch by Travis Kelsey. I saw that play that they were talking about. It's like, he had 10 seconds to throw. Yeah, 10 seconds in the NFL is forever. And he still had to have a miracle from Travis Kelsey to make that play happen. But it happened. And so it's amazing. It's a highlight. It's incredible. He just stood there, man. Like, give yep. have, have two, as to ever in his life as an NFL quarterback, had 10 seconds to just chill, sit back there, order a pizza, and then find his open receiver ever. Just give me one time. And for yeah, Mahomes no. and Jackson and all these guys, it happens all the time. You know, and 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 to your point, it's right. And, and I, there is something else I want to hit on with the Chiefs is, and I think the Chiefs are kind of, can be a model a little bit for the Dolphins in terms of the Chiefs. The last time they were in the Super Bowl, they were a lot more like the Dolphins than they are now. The last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, they were this high-flying, high-powered, we can score in in 15 seconds uh, offense. And, And what did they do? They completely changed their offensive identity to where Patrick Mahomes not to say that Patrick Mahomes is a game manager right now, um, but it's a lot more, we're going to hold the ball, time of possession. We're going to let Isaiah Pacheco run through your face, and we're going to beat you down physically. And, you know, if, if I, and I hope Mike McDaniel is watching that and kind of, you know what, maybe we can incorporate a little bit of that into our offense. Now, there are personnel changes that would have to come along with that, of course. Um, but that's that's the Chiefs are kind of like a, a model of, hey, this is this is how you adapt in the NFL. This is what good coaches do. This is this is Andy Reid is one of the one of the best in the business for this reason. They went from, like I said, you know, Mahomes throwing fifty to, or fifty touchdowns to this year. I think I don't even think he had thirty uh, this season. But for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. They're still getting the job done offensively because they adapt to their personnel. Now, granted, the Dolphins will have to get different personnel along the offensive line and at a couple positions to do that. Um, but I do think that that should be one of the priorities this offseason. And we'll talk about that in next week's show, I'm sure. So we're going to get into some of the uh, yep. other candidates that Miami had. Now, Anthony Manzano, sorry, man, it's sorry it took you so long to get to your comments here, but I wanted to get all that out in the open. So Anthony was putting out, he's putting out a bunch of comments, basically saying that somebody like a Jim Leonard out of Wisconsin who has NFL experience with the Vikings or maybe Glenn Schumann from Georgia. I'm fully full disclosure, Eric. I know less than nothing about college players until I start doing like draft work and start doing mock drafts. I don't know anything about anybody. <laughs> Somebody tells me about it. So I don't know if you know anything about these two guys. I've heard, I've heard the names before. I know Jim Leonard is a very respected coach, um, but I don't know much more beyond that in terms of the schematics um, and, you know, whether or not it'd be your departure from the Fangio scheme. Uh, so I'm not a hundred percent certain on either of those guys. I'd like, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna kind of table this for later because I want you to set it up. But I'm looking less at X's and O's uh, for the next defensive coordinator. I think. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm less about the X's and O's on the next one around, and I'm gonna let you jump into that portion of it here. Yep. Uh, Anthony's next comment was actually very interesting because it basically sets the table up very nicely, by the way. Thank you, Anthony, in the chat. Lewis and Eric, I would prefer, hey, younger guy, because I feel guys that like are Fangio or Ron Rivera or older defensive coordinators, probably includes Leslie Frazier, are out of touch on how to use the current crop of talent on defense. Okay. So this is where we go back into the discussion of what is the culture of the Miami Dolphins. McDaniel's young. He's a, he's he's hip. He's cool. He's cool. He's a nerd. He's he's the new he's the new breed of NFL coach. He's not the uh, hard nose. It's it, very weird. Dan Campbell is probably the youngest old fashioned coach in the NFL. That's probably how I feel about that right now. So. And it, it almost worked for him, almost, but not quite, but almost. He He's a player who's tough, he's physical, gritty, but his players love him. They love Dan Campbell to, to bits. I don't think there's a, I don't think I've ever heard a report of a player just having an issue with Dan Campbell on a personal level, ever, not once. But you'd still describe him as a player's coach. Yeah, he's, he's still, a, he, he's a tough, physical, gritty Players coach, which is right. not usually those two things usually don't go together. Usually the players coaches are more the analytical guys. The I'm going to be your friend. We're cool. We're 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 awesome. Campbell will absolutely rip you a new one, but then he'll pull you aside later and give you a big bear hug because it's like I can do that because I'm 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 as big as you guys. I'm, it's not going to look awkward, you know. Right. But now here's McDaniel's world. McDaniel is the nice guy. He's your friend. He wants. To, he's going to take a gentler approach to how he's going to coach you and some guys respond to that they appreciate being spoken to like human beings not as war machines in a sense fangio did it that way for the defense and there were a lot of players and some players liked fangio some players did not because even tyreek was like oh no not Vic fangio i don't know what tyreek has anything to do with that but i guess tyreek just kind of likes some guys that's fine you like them on a personal level whatever it's cool but 
<laughs> Eric shaking his head no. I, well, because I don't think his comments were like that. He did he did mention we heard behind closed doors he wanted to get to Philly, and he said, well, you know, I just think he needs to do a little bit of a better job uh, keeping in touch with or something along the lines of he just needs to do a better job communicating, but he's a smart football mind. Yeah. And a lot of players echo the same thing. He's a brilliant mind. He they learned a lot from him, and that's good. Hopefully they carry some of those lessons into the future. But for as far as what the culture of what Miami needs, as far as what their coaching is, and Al from the Al from three yards per carry, and of course only Finn's been saying the same thing. Whatever whoever becomes the defensive coordinator next for Miami needs to be a cultural fit for Mike McDaniel's Miami Dolphins. You cannot try to put a square peg in a round hole because now we've already, now we've seen the results of trying to do that. We were like, okay, Vic Fangio is going to be the tough guy to Mike McDaniels, calm, cool, and collected guy. So, and, but instead of it being Fangio reports to McDaniel, they basically were each other's head coaches and the team was basically split. Defense gets the, the, the mean guy and the offense gets the nice guy. Mind you, they both like one, 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 the offense was great in the beginning and fell apart at the end. And then the defense was bad in the beginning and then tightened up near the end. So maybe there's two different approaches and one of them works better than the other. But here's what I'm going to look at. Miami has some in-house candidates and some yep. other candidates that players might have a say in. I already know for a fact that Jalen Ramsey would love to have Brandon Staley back. He put out a whole thread about how just because it didn't work for Staley in Los Angeles with the Chargers does not mean that Staley's a bad coach. Sometimes a change of a scenery, a change of pace does wonders for a, for a, a coach's ability to actually get across what he's trying to do. For Whether anybody believes that he can do the job or not because of how the defenses for the Chargers were and the fact that they kept falling short every single time, for better or worse, and whether you believe it was him or not, Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator for a Super Bowl winning team that had on paper the number one defense in the NFL by all statistical standpoints. They were the best. Period. No one else was in no one else was in second he, they were they were second to no one. And Staley got the job as the Chargers head coach based on that reputation. And Ramsey was on that team when Staley was the defensive coordinator. So if Ramsey's coming out and saying, I want Brandon Staley, or at the very least, he believes that Staley can still do the job, that has to count for something. Now, I don't know if there are any reports. I would have to look it up real quick. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there are any reports that any of the players disliked Staley on a personal level. I don't know if I'd ever heard anything like that. No, I don't I don't think I heard here. I don't I hadn't heard anything to that to that point. And Staley is also kind of a Vic Fangio-ish, you know, disciple, as mm -hmm. it were. He, he still follows that same mold. So it would be a very minimal change in how the defense is actually going to function. I did notice something diff interesting because I did look into this this season. One of the interesting differences that I did notice here between Fangio and Staley is... I wanted to kind of get a feel for how much pressure uh, coaches like to bring. And, and, and granted, personnel factors into this a lot. And it's not necessarily that a Fangio system means that you never blitz. Um, but the Dolphins blitzed at about 21.6% this year. And if you look at the Chargers this season, 
they were at about 31.5%. So while they run a very similar system, you could probably make the argument that Staley maybe runs a slightly more aggressive version uh, of the Fangio defense. Uh, I mean, and for anybody who's listening to this audio, I'm just kind of thinking about it for a minute before I go ahead and get my thoughts. I guess with, again, I don't mind being more aggressive. I really don't. The, the funny thing is that with Fangio, he hates blitzing, but it seemed like blitzing was the only way that the Dolphins were making any kind of headway against Kansas City. Like they basically had to go back to Josh Boyer and Brian Flores style of defense to get the results they were looking for. And this was the whole, the whole point was that Vic Fangio was the exact opposite of Brian Flores and Josh Boyer. Like we were going to go from blitzing every down to like at most blitz five. And it only happens once in a blue moon. And all of a sudden we had to go back to cover zero in order for it to actually work. So that was well, actually very interesting. It's funny because you kind of have that matchup in the Super Bowl where you have the 49ers who very much run that, that cover two deep zone kind of similar defense to what Fangio brings. And then you've got Steve Spagnolo, who's one of the few coaches in the league that's still very much, we're going to bring heat. We're going to send, we're going to send extra guys. We're coming at you with everything we got. And it'll be, it's just, it's not necessarily a referendum on either defensive system, um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting contrast. Yep. And so that's one thing with, that's, that's another point in Staley's favor, I guess, because it would be a minimal change in the actual, the actual philosophy, the scheme. And if people like Staley, if he can, like, I don't, don't, I'm trying to think now. Yeah. Didn't, do, do Mike McDaniel and Brandon Staley have connections from? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if they've worked together directly, but I just assume coaches that have been in that McVeigh, LaFleur, Shanahan click uh, kind of speak to each other. And I did see a clip of Mike McDaniel. And uh, Brandon Staley speaking to each other at some sort of yes, like, I remember like, that clip. Shows. They were basically uh, yeah. they were yeah they were discussing who, uh, what offenses slash defenses drive us up a wall the most. So yeah. if Staley can get with the program and understand that, listen, I am because they were he respect, I'm sure Staley respects Kyle Shanahan, right? And so I would hope that there's the same amount of respect with Mike McDaniel. I don't know if there is, but they interviewed him. They haven't already made the decision on who is going to be the coordinator yet, so there's still time. But Staley, I feel like, at least philosophically speaking, from a do players like you standpoint, I feel like Staley would be a fit. I know that he's not the popular name right now because obviously he's the guy that failed the Los Angeles Chargers and nobody ever wants a failure as the new guy in charge. But head coaches who take demotions, I would like to think they usually have a fair amount of success because that was the reason you got hired in the first place. Except remind for France me, France is the only is the exception. So the, so the, the, the Browns had the number one defense in the NFL this year, right? Uh, I, I guess so. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, that's a rhetorical question. Yes. Oh, okay. They were. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, I had to look at the uh, numbers. Can you remind me how Jim Schwartz's tenure as a head coach went? Uh, probably pretty terrible. But I know. Was, I, listen, Jim Schwartz, bad. though. Like, who is there anybody out there who thinks that Jim Schwartz is not good at his job as a defensive coordinator? Like, I, I remember. I felt like his reputation suddenly took a hit, and I was bizarrely think, scratching my head, thinking, why? Why is suddenly everybody hating on Jim Schwartz? I thought this guy was like another one of those NFL godfathers of defense. So, what, what's the deal there? So, 
but yeah, Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator for Cleveland, and it worked out great for him. Exactly. So, so I'm not I'm not with that stigma of a guy wasn't a great fit as a head coach, especially when it's a younger coach like that, because you can always point back to what Bill Belichick looked like in Cleveland before before he went to New England. Sometimes guys just need a little bit more experience. They need to learn a few more things along the way before they're ready to take the reins as a head coach. Just because a guy isn't a great head coach at 40 doesn't mean he won't be a great head coach at 46, 47 after, year, after a few more years of experience. Now, speaking of experience, mm-hmm. Anthony Campanile, and I don't know if you say that that's his name or not, but I, I'm very bad at pronunciations. Alf once uh, accused me of having a stroke on the air because I was saying other people, I was saying, uh, I, I, I called Tom Pelissero, Tom Pelissero. And uh, that's not, that's apparently that's not the way you say it. And so he's like, are you having a stroke? I'm like, no, I just don't know how to say his name. So I apologize. But Anthony Campanile, uh, linebackers coach from Miami, young guy. We watched him on hard knocks. Like there's fire there. There's passion there. You see that he's passionate about what he does. And he was interviewed last year. Mm -hmm. I feel like truthfully, and I mean this with all sincerity, I think it would not be the worst idea this time around to be able to just look at this guy and say, listen, you've worked your way up. You've been working. You've been fighting. You've been pushing. You Obviously, the players like you. They respect you. I don't think they've ever had any complaints. We watched on Hard Knocks, the behind the scenes of it all. Nobody was looking at Camp and Isle with a rolling your eyes or, oh, my God, this guy's so annoying. It was kind of interesting because now that we know what we know about Fangio and how he was micromanaging the entire defense, I think a lot of players were looking at Camp and Isle and saying, I, I really want, I prefer to talk to you because I don't want to talk to Fangio. Right. So, and if that's the case, then promoting Camp and Isle, the, the thing that's holding him back, and I feel like it's unfair in a way, is that people are complaining that the linebacker play this year was not great. But if you, the, David Long Jr. had a fantastic year for Miami. And we learned very quickly, might I add, how important Jerome Baker is to this defense. Like as soon as Baker left, the drop-off was dramatic. It wasn't like, oh, we'll just replace him with Duke Riley and that'll be the No, no, that didn't work. It did not work. Not at all. So Baker is important. He really is. So saying that, oh, the linebacker play was bad, I feel like that's that's just an oversimplification of a much broader problem. I think Campanile would deserve to get the promotion. I don't know very much about Ryan Slowick, but he did get uh, a huge shout out on Twitter, I guess, from somebody who's worked with him from other locations in the past. Um, I personally just feel like if we're going to if we're going to hire somebody internally, it wouldn't be a bad idea this time, this time around. So I don't know what you think about that. Would you prefer to go outside? Would you prefer somebody like Staley, who used to be a head coach? Or would you want to try? fresh blood who's never been a defensive coordinator and i we know he gets along with mcdaniel because mcdaniel decided to keep him around so my thing is with campanile um here's 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 what here's what i i like about him he's been here since 2020 so that means he's seen the flores years he's seen the fangio years he he's up close and personally seeing the pros and cons of each system. And I'm hopeful um, 
and he does do a better job of getting along with the players. Um, I do see Frederick talking about he likes older coaches because he doesn't want players being all buddy buddy with with the coach. And I can understand that to an extent. Um, I'm not asking for a guy to be the player's best friend. Um, but I think like in any work environment, uh, you prefer your boss to be somebody that at the very least you feel like you feel like so- there there's somebody that's that's willing to listen to you at the very least in your concerns. You, there's there's somebody that's approachable. Nobody wants to work for somebody that's my way or the highway. It's the same way in any in any in any work environment. And I think that we, for some time, in some regards, treat the NFL as it's this vastly different thing to life. Um, when reality is, nobody would like a boss like that. We don't. We don't. Um, secondly, Anthony Campanile, like I said, he's seen both both sides of the coin, and so he's somebody that I'm confident might be able to to introduce the positive aspects of either system because let's be very honest about this lewis and 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 this is a, a little bit of a point for fangio they didn't remake their defense to fit vic fangio they they didn't um they brought in jalen ramsey yes they brought in david long yes number one i'm not sure david long was was a super great fit for what uh fangio wanted to do um defensively number two they brought in deshaun elliott who could really run a fangio style system you need another you need another uh another deep safety deshaun elliott is more of a box safety so if they do decide to go anthony campanile and he decides i want to go more to that aggressive style of defense Personnel-wise, you could actually make the argument that if they go back to something like that, it fits them better because nobody's nobody's going to accuse Jalen Ramsey of not being able to cover man to man. And Cam Smith was drafted as a as a press cover corner. Um, you know, Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer, we we saw what those guys were able to do in that style of system. The only guy that you kind of look at and you're like, mm, not sure, is maybe is maybe Bradley Chubb. Um. But as far as everybody else goes there, it's not like the personnel shifted super drastically to accommodate what Vic Fangio does. And there are some other folks here. Actually, Frederick Dunlap here is in the comments saying he's for older coaches because he doesn't want players being all buddy-buddy with the coach. I mean, listen, I I get that aspect of it too. I do. But the, again, the culture in Miami has changed. Whether you think it is that way or not, that's the way that it is. Now, Cap for Life is talking about is Spagnola is a my way or the highway type of guy. He's about to take another team to the Super Bowl with his style of defense that he brought to Kansas City. You're so like Eric. I'm, I feel like Cap is trying to say that yes, he is, and you're saying no. Is that what you're saying? That what 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 is your impression of Spagnolo? Um. Espagnolo is an older coach. They, they definitely have a very and and to be fair, Andy Reid being a my way or the highway kind of coach. I don't I don't necessarily know if that's the case. Um, number Andy one, Andy Reid is just because, old because Andy Reid Andy Reid adjusted. I, I I talked about this. I, I 
might not have been here early. It was earlier on. I talked about how Andy Reid was one way in 2019 when he brought the Chiefs with an explosive offense that had Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes was thrown for 50 touchdowns. And then all of a sudden, what does he do? He flips what he does to match the personnel that he has. Whereas it feels like with Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio, when when he talked about um, when he talked about Christian Wilkins, he wasn't blown away by Christian Wilkins. When he talked about David Long during pre- training camp, it was yeah, David Long's all right. He's he's not really where we want him to be. And I understand that that might be a tactic of motivation, what have you. But if you're telling me that you can't make things work with that Christian Wilkins doesn't fit your system, I'm sorry, dude. Christian Wilkins is good enough that you accentuate what his highlights are. Um, Vic Fangio talked, oh, he can't really get to the quarterback? Christian Wilkins got to the quarterback. Um, so as far as as far as that stuff goes, it's not necessarily a my way or the highway kind of thing in terms of how you speak to your players. Well, it is more so in terms of how you speak to your players, one. But number two, I want to see guys that are willing to adjust. Vic Fangio, to me, at least the perspective that I got from him, was not willing to adjust. Not at all. Whatsoever. At all. And I want a coach that, at the very least, has the self-awareness to say, you know what? My players can't do X, Y, and Z, but what can they do? I, I don't like coaches that look at players and see them for what they can't do. I prefer coaches that look at players and see them for what they can do. Um, and, and players and players like that, because, you know, at, at the end of the day, if Cam Smith is good, if Cam Smith is good, then what Vic Fangio did this year by not playing him, I mean, is tantamount to, to borderline career sabotage if he would have stuck around. And, and that's, you know, and at that point, you know, you're, you're, you're playing with guys livelihoods as as a coach and i think that that's a responsibility that guys do need to take seriously to an extent yeah andy reed if he is the kind of guy who's a my way or the highway coach it's not in his, it's not that he's set in his ways and you're just gonna do it this way because this is my per this is my preferred way of playing football he's shown that he can adapt although i will say that it helps that he has a little alien at quarterback, it makes his job very easy. Like he has time to do all these stupid State Farm commercials because what? What? Why even worry about it? Patrick Mahomes is gonna just gonna you're gonna call a play for him, and then he's just gonna do whatever he wants anyway because he's Patrick and also. Mahomes. I want to touch on that too. You can be a high of my way or the highway kind of guy. Vic, Vic Fangio was not the biggest fan of Christian Wilkins out the gate. At least, at least. Well, the, the story that we heard. We'll table that. We'll table that. The story that we heard, Eric, was that Fangio never watched any film on any of the previous guys. That was bizarre to me. Like, that was weird. It's like, what do you mean you haven't watched any film? Like, what? What you want a fresh, a fresh look at everybody in training camp? You have to watch film. You have to know who you have. Like, that's a weird. That's a weird quote to get. Like there was just a bunch of weird red flags everywhere, and we were so blinded by the beauty. It's almost like it's weird. It's like a, it's a it's like a dating scenario. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what Jakari Givens once gave me. I'm gonna give a dating scenario here. You see this beautiful woman. She is the most beautiful, amazing, incredible person that you can look at, and your eyes are just 
bright-eyed, shining, oh my God, this is the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth, like my wife. Just say, my fiance. Eh? No, no brownie points, no brownie points. Okay. Okay. But anyway, now on the flip side, you see this beautiful person on the outside, and this is not like my fiance. On the inside, they're just a terrible person. And we see all these weird red flags. We see that, oh, I don't want to look at the film. Oh, I didn't really want to be here. I wanted to be in Philly, but you know, life's life. Oh, I don't work with the head, with the head coach of the team. I'm the, he's on one side, I'm on the other. We don't even spend time in the same room at each, with each other. And we're just kind of doing whatever we feel like. All these weird red flags, but we're blinded by, this is Vic Fangio, everybody. He has to know what he's doing. He's a genius. And we just ignored everything because this is Vic Fangio. Who would dare question the godfather of NFL defense? To, to, to touch on that, and, and I don't think when I say, listen, I don't think Wilkins is leaving because of Fangio for, for, for one. No, if he leaves, I, I don't think we can't I, I don't him. know. Exactly. That's, that's, not, that's not necessarily what I was getting at there. But I do recall there being a little bit of headbutting between the two in training camp. That's, that's all I was alluding to. Um, absolutely. Cat for, life is, uh, Cat for Life, by the way, is commenting. That's why Eric keeps uh, getting mm-hmm. interrupted in his thoughts. But that's what the show is all about, to make sure that the, uh, the, the, the thoughts of the, co- uh, the comment people get heard. So Cap is basically saying, I respect you guys' opinion, but you can't argue the hardware in Kansas City. These guys did it their way, and they're old school. They're old school, but Cap – you're missing the context of what old school we're talking about here. And we're going to have to cut it off here because we're getting close to an hour. But the old school that we're referring to is not the sense that the guy is so stubborn that he's going to run his scheme, even if it runs the team into the ground and the players that are in it are basically so sick and tired of this dude. That is not the way there is nobody in Kansas city who doesn't like Andy Reid. Andy Reid is like everybody's big uncle that everybody loves to give a big bear hug to when he walks in the room. As for Spagnolo, I don't know if that's the same thing with them, but the players like Spagnolo. And if you want to go about, we'll do the flip side. You want to talk about hardware, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, when they were doing their little New England dynasty, there were a lot, of, it worked for them, but you had Tom Brady. And, no, and there were a lot of players who hated Belichick. Like, they despised Belichick. Like, they, 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 they left New England because they didn't like Belichick. And granted, it worked for them because they had Brady. And I'm looking at this whole situation and saying that Fangio is old school in the sense that I'm the boss, you're my subordinates, get with the program, or I'm going to bench you. And that's not how the NFL is that way anymore. Pete Carroll lasted in Seattle for years. He's an old, he was an old fart. He was one of the oldest head coaches in the NFL. But nobody hated Pete Carroll. And they and loved Pete, Pete Carroll. Carroll. But Pete Carroll was very much a new school kind of coach in it. In, in a, in a, in a yeah. You know, um, I, I will say this. Uh, he did really well with AVG. I'm not sitting here and saying that. Uh-uh. Hold on. Were, Whoa. Guys, no, time out. Time out, yeah. Eric. Nope. 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 I'm not giving fans you that credit. I'm not. Because you remember what Fangio wanted ABG to do? He wanted him to play inside. And then he he blew up as soon as circumstances forced him to go back and be a pass rusher again. So I'm not giving Fangio credit for that. So there you go, Cap. No, I'm not not having it both ways. I, I thought about it, and I thought, okay, let's try it, because Fangio must see something in ABG. But 
we AVG blew up because he was a pass rusher again. He wasn't an inside linebacker like Fangio was trying to make him. When he did go inside, it looked awful. And we were questioning, like, wait, what's going on here? Why are we doing this? And to be fair, Andrew Van Ginkle was a guy that I think the fan base had collectively been saying that we want to see him get more snaps. Um, more snaps for the last, like, two seasons. We wanted to see what he would do with, with, more, with more playing time. I'll just, I'll just leave it like this. Andy Reid, the other thing with Andy Reid is, I, at least the sense that I get, the dude is talking about eating cheeseburgers and he's doing commercials where he's wiggling his fingers and talking about nuggies. He doesn't take himself all that seriously. Um, and, and players can, appro- can appreciate that kind of authenticity from a coach. That's, that's, that's a little bit different, I think, than the attitude that Fangio brought with him down here where it was very clear he did not want to be here. He just didn't. Like, and, and for that reason alone, I think it's enough for, for him to walk away from the team. Um, for that reason alone. I will get in just my, my personal favorite defensive coordinator um, candidate here, just, just to sneak it in uh, within the hour here. Anthony Weaver um, in Baltimore as a defensive line coach. Mike McDaniel or Mike McDonald joined the joined the uh, Baltimore Ravens as their defensive coordinator after 2022. And and stop me if this sounds familiar, Lewis. Um, the Ravens and Wink Martindale, who another old school coach, who was revered in the league, ended up leaving Baltimore uh, ultimately over some personality issues because they were concerned that he was a little bit too too stubborn with his defensive approach and Mike McDonald had to come in and take over this defense and, and, and offer up a more collaborative style of defense. Um, overall. And Anthony Weaver was there for that. And so I kind of see this situation as parallel to that. Um, and so I see a guy that's kind of been through that and kind of sees what it takes to, okay, so this is how I can, recover from this situation, flip this situation around and get it and get it in a better direction. Um, somebody that's kind of seen that up close and personal and worked under a guy like John Harbaugh, obviously huge points there. Um, that would be my, my probably personal favorite at this point. And we'll have more to say next week. So hey everybody, thank you all so much for joining us. Cap, don't worry about it. I get it. A line and a half at Chipotle. We're actually trying to eat healthier in this house now. So we're, uh, we're uh, trying to make sure we're watching what uh, when we eat carbs and when we eat fats. It's about food combos, guys. Food combos. Just don't combine the two and you should be fine. You'll lose weight, I promise. But in any case, uh, that's going to be it. If you haven't already done so, other sponsors uh, on top of the ones that we already have mentioned earlier, make sure you go to prizepicks.com. Use that promo code FIVE. That's F-I-B-E. And they will match up to $100 on your initial deposit when you sign up. And of course, the links in the description below of this YouTube video, if you're watching it live, my Nintendo store, we are a Affiliate sponsored by them. Make sure you click the links in the description below and you can get your hands on Super Mario Brothers RPG, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, both awesome games that are available with bonus items included with your order. If you want to go ahead and use that, it also helps us out when you buy through that link as well. So make sure you're checking that out. That's going to be it for this show. Once again, thank you everybody for joining us. We will see you next week for another episode of Pulse of Bins Nation. Good night. Thanks, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.